This is Wild Wisdom Women. I'm Vicki, the mom. And I'm Tori, the daughter. And on this podcast, we'd like to talk a little bit about everything. Life, love, and the pursuit of understanding. And getting in a little trouble along the way. Welcome to Wild Wisdom Women. (laughs) Hi, guys. Um... If you hear multiple laughters, because <laughs> we have a very special guest today, we don't we, We certainly Ma? do. We have the Tennesseans, Brad Schmidt. Woo! He's in the building, y'all. Hello. He's at the table. He's at the dining room table. I'm excited. I'm excited. I've been excited all day. Not a lie. Not a lie. He's been very excited. I and have been. And we're excited to have you. I got my hair cut. Hey. And he's looking good, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> All you ladies out there, he's here. He brought flowers. We brought sweets. It's a combo. What a combination. This is like the best date I've been on forever. I think this is the last date or the most recent date. This is a big night. It is a big night. It really is. It really is. We are so glad you came and decided to grace us with your presence. Thank you. You know, I'm not only am I a huge fan of you as individuals, but I am a triple W fangirl. (laughs) Full on. I love me some triple W and I am not wise, not a woman. You're all of those. And not wild. wild. No, you've been wild. I have been. Past life of wildness. But I love it. Oh. And I was telling you guys, I learned so much, like, oh, pop culture, that's something I sort of have not paid a whole lot of attention to in the last... Tori is the queen. Ten years. Bo- both of you, you know your stuff I too, Vicky. Like you actually might know more, Mom. Yeah, you're bringing stuff that. to so-and-so from Empire, got this and that, and the blah, blah, blah. Like, I was like, oh, let me, I'm, I'm on, uh, you know, IMDb, and I'm on my phone, like, people.com. Who's that? Wait, okay, okay. that won't come okay. Cool, cool, But yeah, cool. both of you guys are... On it, and I told Tori this, and I think I've told you too, Vicky. I appreciate, if I may be serious for a moment, that you guys bring, um, and you guys are super funny and super engaging, and I love the pop culture stuff. What I love the most is when y'all get into your own um, struggles or issues, and how open you've been about, you know, some mental health issues that both of you have faced. Sure, and much respect for for just Aww. being really upfront and authentic about that. I think that's really awesome. Oh, I really do. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Seriously. It's, and it really, like, it, that's, that is like, oh, so I'm like, so when I first started listening, I'm like, ah, that's funny. Oh, that is intensely <laughs> honest. And it really, like, touched me because that's where I like to live now. Aww. So you guys are great. Thank you, Brad. You Seriously. Are. Such a fan. Well, now we're a fan of yours, too. And, and I know a lot of people know that you and I know each other. We've known each other mm-hmm. since... Pittsburgh, 1985. <laughs> <laughs> Where Tori was born. Hey-o. Um, we... <laughs> I was born. So happy. we go way back. <laughs> to be transparent, we go way back. We worked at KDKA together. KDKA <laughs> Pittsburgh. <laughs> Tori, I got a quick story for you there, too. Yes. I was one of 7.2 billion interns because KDK was a gigantic operation in Pittsburgh. <laughs> it, was. it was huge, humongous. And, I mean, I had to try out, like, seven interviews. Just oh, forget it. Anyway, it was crazy. Yeah. So I got in, and I was, I seriously was one of, like, a dozen interns at the TV station. And your mom knew every single one of us by name. The only one who knew every one of us by name. And I was sent out to do a quickie interview for the sports department because I think somebody had a heart attack, I think. I and think were in, was happened, in the hospital. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, because KDK would never use an intern to do... I got to interview, and I'm from Pittsburgh, and I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I got to go to Three River Stadium, which was the park before PNC Park, and I got to go to Three River Stadium with a KDKA cameraman with me, with a KDKA mic flag, and interview the starting pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. (laughs) I was losing my shoes, and I came back with the interview. And the sports director goes, hey, the kid's back with the interview. Let's watch this, everybody. Like, super sarcastic. It's like, "Mm." (laughs) to you, sir. (laughs) And your mother was one of, I mean, 10, 15 people who pulled chairs up in front of the the screen. I was like, Vicky Yates or his watch. Anyway. Class act. (laughs) Freaking out, Brad Schmidt, intern. 
Um, blah, blah, blah. Good, oh, good question. Good follow-up. Blah, blah, blah. Good job, Brad. Yeah. And then the sports director goes, why didn't you ask him how he hurt his shoulder in the first place? And everybody's like this. Oh. Aww. And they all, like, scatter. And the only person who stayed behind was Vicki Yates Orr. Aww. And she said... They should already know how the pitcher hurt his arm if they're the sports department. Mm-hmm. And clearly it was a pitching injury because, duh, <laughs> he wasn't out duck hunting in the middle of the baseball season. Exactly. So I think you did an excellent job and that criticism was way off target. Oh, Class thank act that you. Yates. Oh, you guys she, are making me blush. The true story. And you know that's true. Yeah. Right? No, I know that's true. It's... I just don't believe that people should look for the worst. You know, I mean, you are an intern. It's not like you, they don't, shouldn't expect you to do what seasoned journalists have been doing for years. You're an intern. And to make you feel bad about it, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just not for that. I'm not in that party. But I think, honestly, like, Brad, I feel like you have that kind of energy, too. Like, you're always positive. You are. Uh, now (laughs) i try to be what brought you to that honestly well yeah so um i guess when i was a kdka that was oh boy okay so i'm gonna start and make this sure fairly quick but when i grew up my dad died when i was a boy of cancer when i was eight and that left mom with four young children Mm. i was i was a twin hello i know that and um yeah she had four kids and she was on a school teacher salary and mom grew up like a lot of Pittsburghers with World War II parents and you pull yourself up That's by right. the bootstraps and we don't talk about feelings in this house and we don't process feelings and we don't even know what the phrase process feelings means. And there was some, yeah, there was some hitting and, and a lot of verbal, really, I would probably call it abuse today. And I was a fat, lazy, selfish, stupid piece of shit mm. was the, was literally the message that I got. Um, and I've done enough recovery to know that my mom was l- literally doing the best she could. Mm. That's exactly how she was taught to parent by her parents. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. So anyway, it's that backdrop that led me down this, you know, drugs, alcohol, food, attention, women, mm-hmm. or and or just relationships, period, codependency. Sure. Um, today, Netflix, uh, YouTube TV. <laughs> What Roku. can I use? Right. Oh, uh, words with friends? Forget it. <laughs> what can I use outside of myself to make me feel better? What can I use outside? And so the drugs and the alcohol super got away from me. Mm. And I was at a competing TV station to Vicky's, which is probably my first mistake. Just get, taking a job <laughs> without Vicky Yates on staff. <laughs> but I was there and I got two DUIs in three years. And, that was, and the second one was in 2010, so nine years ago. And I ended up at Cumberland Heights' Rehab Center in Nashville Mm -hmm. and have been in recovery since and have been clean since um, and found out that the being clean part is just one step. Mm. Like, yeah, I'm really glad I don't get super drunk and snort a half a bag of Coke to stay up to get more drinks. Uh, Sportsman's Grill, Hillsborough Village, second floor because you could smoke up there and they had pool tables and you can gamble so you knew all the spots. All of my, <laughs> it was all my vices like in one place. Yeah. Fantastic. And um, the, once the drugs and alcohol were gone, then I was still left with me, mm. which is like this wounded little kid. Sure. You know, who wanted to cry in the KDK newsroom when the sports director said, how come you didn't find out why his shoulder was hurt? who, you know, sought constant validation from other people who always felt less than. And I know that's a story that a lot of people can tell, right? It doesn't necessarily have to involve alcohol or drugs or even verbal or physical abuse. But there's lots of folks who feel less than. But mine was definitely, um, like, deep in there, deeply embedded. My default was, well, you are a fat, lazy, selfish, stupid piece of crap. Mm. Because that's what I heard for so many years. Um. P.S. with mom, I ended up being her primary caretaker when she died in 2001 of cancer in Pittsburgh. Right. And I was with her every day for the last two and a half months of her life. And we, before, if any of you ever taken care of somebody with cancer, like toward the end, they're on so many painkillers that there's no real convo. But before she got to that point, we had some real heart to heart. And there was a, um, 
there was a I don't know what the right word is reconciliation the making out she apologized did she really which was my my mom became a way different person after she got her diagnosis kind and loving and I say this that diagnosis exposed the real her you know before that she was living in fear and you know just acting like sort of on instinct from what her parents and that diagnosis just made her really see I think what was really important is strip away the garbage and I got finally got to see my mom Mm. and it was beautiful and then she did she's like I know I was really really hard on you guys and you in particular me in particular because I reacted my brothers were so smart and they still are like they would she would go crazy on them and they'd be like (laughs) almost literally like humming or just like just not reacting yeah they're like just mentally they were riding out the storm because they knew that reacting was stupid. It was just going to extend. And me, I'm like, oh, you love her. I was just like, you know, I was a reactor. Yeah. Sensitive boy. And I couldn't learn from my brothers. So I got a lot of the brunt of mom's uh, rage, really, for lack of a better word. Anyway, once I got rid of that drugs and alcohol, then, then like, there's this whole other thing, like, we've got to heal that kid. So that's therapy. There's actually a fellowship just for that, a 12-step fellowship for kids who grew up in dysfunction. That's great. Mm. And I found that after the first initial fellowships. And uh, went to trauma camp, this place called The Bridge in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where there's a lot of other wounded souls like me, including one really cute girl. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> mm. It's like, why is this co-ed? Don't they know we're codependents? Right. <laughs> Maggie from New Jersey. (laughs) Hey, Maggie. You damaged too? Mm. Well, girl, let's talk. Yes. (laughs) Let's connect on a crazy deep level, even though we barely know each other. Then we'll be in love. Anyway, there's a lot of work since then. So now, yeah, like, and it it goes so beautifully. So now at the Tennessean, I am Oprah, sort of, kind of. I do the stories about people with... um, you know, overcomers, redeemers, people who have walked through, oh gosh, cancer and poverty and addiction and abuse and um, all sorts of things and war. And uh, yeah, and, I'm, I, and it's just all these community leaders, like I'm going to tell you something I hope that you didn't know about somebody who you might know. Sure. Hmm. So Governor Haslam's wife um, shared with me about her losing her sister when they were teenage girls and uh, she got into a car crash. And this young, nice man named Bill Haslam helped her through it. And she's telling me the story and her aide, who happens to have known her for most of her life, is looking at me with like, I've never heard this story. Wow. And so, but that's not like, that's not me being some sort of super talented like reporter or anything. I really feel like without getting too... Um, woo woo on you I mean I feel like there's this high, higher power like right. just in the room with us now well, and flowing I'm, through you yes right. I'm Working able to you. really sure. empathy I'm able to really look like because forgiving my mom was the hugest part of my recovery and it took a long time but it was just really seeing where she was man I had a therapist have you guys ever done therapy yes, yes. not to get fans. <laughs> okay have they ever put you this is the devil's work but it's also god's work have they ever put you in another chair and like you be your mom now no or you be your no. abusive boyfriend or you be your and i, I did like, inner child work but not that no well he goes you're sitting in that sit in that chair and you're gonna be your mom now i'm like oh no no like i you, it was it was about two feet to the other chair and oh. it took me like five minutes like Oh, I don't want to do this exercise. (laughs) I'll bet it's going to be super healing. And the first thing he goes is, wow, you lost your husband when you were young. Me. (laughs) Like sobbing. Yes, I did. He was the love of your life. He really was. You had four children. What are you going to do with four kids by yourself? And I was like, you are the one. <laughs> but, but I was it. a I was on the floor. Forget I didn't need the chair. I was on the floor. Like give me all the Kleenex. Yeah, every, every Kleenex in the room. And I just left a different guy that day. And then kept working through that. What what did my mother go through? What did mm-hmm. she have to walk through? How did your parents? And then he asked me as my mom, how did your parents raise you? I was like, 
I saw enough of my grandparents and my, and my mom to know right. it was not pretty. So, um, yeah, so that's the whole, like, now I can slip back into well, sarcastic, can. snarky, you know. Well, everyone does. As sure. you guys have seen <laughs> yourselves, personally. <laughs> I can get into that still, you know, the finger snappy. Right. Hey, 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 how's it going, ladies? <laughs> Guy, every now and again. But I really find myself more and more living in this, like, so what's going on with you? And then when people ask me how I am, you're not going to believe this. I tell the truth. You do? I'm like, you know what? Was there a time not when so you great didn't? To, oh, never would I. T- would, you, would you ever, in the middle of the newsroom, say, you know what? I'm feeling kind of down today. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. But imagine how freeing it is to be honest. To be able to say that. I don't have yeah. to be like, you know, I saw my ex-girlfriend out with a new girl or a new guy, and it really, like, it just triggered all sorts of, like, less than and, oh, my gosh, sure. feelings in me. I don't do all that in the middle of the newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. Let me tell you the nitty-gritty. But I can say, I don't feel so great today. Thanks for asking. Right. And it's so nice because before I'd be like, I'm a million. I would literally say like, I'm super. I'm super duper. Oh, that's cute. I haven't heard super duper for a long time. I know, right? <laughs> Which is cute. Whatever. And it maybe gives real, it wrong, but it wasn't right. So now I really do try to try and most times succeed, but I'll slip in. I'll say super duper still. Especially at the gym, like in the guy's locker room and everybody's naked and you don't want to really linger. <laughs> Let's get her over I don't. Super <laughs> yeah. Let's just go. How's it going, Brad? Good? <laughs> super. <laughs> Move it along. Let's wrap that towel. Please go. Wrist. Just go. Uh, yeah. Right. But I think, do you find that because you answer in such a honest way that it gives other people permission? Exactly. Yeah. I get it back. Mm-hmm. I get it back. And sometimes, so I'll keep it pretty brief, but sometimes they don't want to. They want to like, talk. Yeah, I feel you, man, because guess what? My wife and I got in this huge thing last night, and da da da. I was like, and if I have time, I sit down. Yeah. I think that's great. And if I don't, I'm better at boundaries, too. Yeah, I was going to say. Wow, Tom, listen. I am so sorry that happened. And I, if you want to share more about I've got to get to a, an interview, but can we come back to that later this afternoon or? So it's really, yeah, this whole like being real, being empathetic, and boundaries right. are like the best. I have, uh, I entered, I think I shared with you, Vicki, maybe you too, Tori, that I, I had a foster right. son, mm-hmm. and I'm getting another one soon. Oh, good. Well, um, you're out of the conversation for a second, Tori. Vicki, teenagers, yes. am I right? Oh, my God. Woo! Ooh, yeah. We're the worst, man. We're the worst. <laughs> I agree. My brother Todd, the twin, loves to say there is nothing dumber than the teenage boy. <laughs> True story. Yeah. There is nothing dumber than the teenage boy. And you know how we know? We were teenage we boys. We were stupid. Just all on whatever I want to do right now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Not thinking about consequences. Mm-hmm. Not thinking about anything. But, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have 20 ho-hos. Yeah. Or later on, I'm going to drink this whole case of beer. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's not thinking. So anyway, so with it, so the same, so I use those sort of same principles. Like, who can I serve today? Can I be patient and empathetic? And boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. That's really important. And with the teenagers, especially, or especially with my with my guy, Mm -hmm. his name was Michael. Like our relationship got so much better when boundaries became part of it. Did you start off with boundaries, or did you? I did. They were on a sheet of paper, okay. but then, like, you know, some bowls would disappear into his room. And I was like, I don't, Michael, I don't want you to not enjoy your room and a nice bowl of cocoa pebbles in there. I get it. But what happens is maybe you're not the greatest at putting the bowl back in the sink right. or the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And then we have it. And then one day he comes out of his room and goes, oh, I got a bunch of ants in the room. <laughs> And I want to be like, no. Of course. Didn't I tell you? I'm not just trying to be a jerk. I don't want you to have rodents in your room. Function. <laughs> Buddy. So, yeah. So that, yeah. Empathy. Yeah. Empathy, boundaries, and service. And that's that's where it's at now. And you must enjoy it because now you're going to have another foster child. Yes. And, as you know from having teenagers, yes. <laughs> uh, 
The ride is not always smooth. No, I can attest <laughs> Nor to enjoyable. that. <laughs> I can attest to that, too. Well, I'm wondering, and Tori, you can jump back in here because you were on the other side of this. How did you deal with your kids when they were clearly, like, you know, breaking curfew or some boundary in the house? Because it's hard to be, it's hard to be, it, let me say this. Here's another lesson I learned in just my first foster kid. It is not personal. Oh, no, that's true. Yeah, But it that. feels yeah. deeply personal. Yeah. Because I said, come home by 11, and you came home at 12, right. and clearly that's a big middle finger to me. No. He just want to hang out with his friends a little longer. He want to hang out with his yeah, girlfriend. Yeah. He, no, it has nothing yeah. to do with me. I agree with that. But doesn't it feel personal? Vicky? But it does. Because I've never, my kids, and I'm, I know this sounds horrible, or not horrible, but <laughs> unbelievable, but my kids never really did anything where I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe that. Every now and then, Tori would come in late. And I what I that. would do is... <laughs> I had a late. That's just my natural... And, and what I would do, and I knew she didn't, it wasn't trying to hurt me, but... Did you? Were you, were you able to know I that was, in the moment? I was, because... That's good. But I would tell her... You know, I asked you, you know, I'm up, and I think that was part of it. I would wait up for it. You know, of course. I yeah. would not go to bed. You know, some parents are like, oh, well, whenever she gets in, I couldn't go to bed. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to bed until she is in this house. 100. And she would start to feel guilty that I was still up. And that was, <laughs> honestly, guilt was your greatest tool with us. But I think, but it's not, it's, it's like you were saying, like, you took it personally. I did it's, at first. It's the understanding, but then you, you became cognizant of the fact like oh he just wants to hang out with his friends more it's like that that sense of how is the other person viewing it mm -hmm. so that's right. why i, I stopped coming in late mm -hmm. because i realized oh my mom is worrying and she's staying up late not knowing where i'm at and i'm just wanting to hang out with my friends so i became better at oh hey mom i'm running late or it's like right i would right. right. the other thank you i would have taken view. that too by the way exactly. can you text the son of a gun yeah. can you text your foster dad exactly. one time just right. one time. Because um, your mind goes through all these horrible images of, oh, my God, is she, like, it hurt? Or, yeah. you know? My mind was going through, is two minutes too soon to send another text to where are you? <laughs> what about a triple text? Can I do the triple 90 text? seconds. It's been 90 seconds. He didn't text me back. Let me send another one. But even just thinking about that and thinking of, you know, of putting yourself in the other person's shoes especially when you're a teenager and that is not your natural reaction to do. That's yeah. true. Is is hard and difficult but it helps so much in in how she communicated with me instead of just being like you need to be here and i would have been like well you're not giving me a reason why she always gave me the reason why she needed me to be at home and then i was like oh all right yeah you're right you're right yeah you're, that's fair um so i just think it's like it's that sense of deep sense of empathy but then also putting out your personal boundaries of mm -hmm. like this is what is acceptable to right. me right and this is how i feel when you do this this is how yeah. i feel yeah Nice. I think a lot of times kids don't understand. But Tori, you heard that message when you were a kid. I did. Snaps. <laughs> I did. Very good. And so I think it's easier for me now. Why? How does that happen? Why can't I have a male Tori as a foster son? <laughs> well, that's a good question. Well, and then, and well then, maybe well, your next one so, will be. Well, and there's the answer, by the way. It's a foster kid. So mm -hmm. this kid grew up with abandonment, probably right. some abuse, exactly. you know, all sorts of issues that most kids probably don't have. That's true. Yeah. And so it's like, wait, I grew up with that. Why am I not more empathetic to this kid? So, yeah, it was... Boy, it was a ride the first time. I was like, oh, this is more emotionally roller coastery than any like romantic relationship I'd ever had. Mm. Because you really cared, not that you wouldn't care for a romantic relationship, but I mean, you I cared as a, as a parent. <laughs> it's a joke, ladies. You, you cared as a parent. It's a different uh, yes. It's a different love when you love a child as opposed to mm -hmm. a romantic. It is. It just is. And I don't know if it's codependence or not, but like I felt that same, like for that foster kid, like I felt for him as strongly as I ever did for my nephews. Sure, of course. I don't have any kids and I've never been married. Uh, what does that tell you? Um, you're choosy. No, I was damaged. <laughs> Super like damaged. Because you were damaged doesn't mean you don't deserve right. love. Well, I couldn't. I didn't know how to love somebody without just running away because if it got too intimate, like, first of all, I crave your attention, right? Oh, please be with me. Tell me I'm pretty. Tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me you love me. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And then when they do, like, ooh, you're getting too close. 
You oh, are okay. getting. This is getting too me real. You both, buddy. Me so and you both. Let me just push you. So I'm sorry I begged you to stand right here. I'm going to need you to go back over there. <laughs> All the way over there. For a second. Until I crook my finger and I'm ready. Oh, for that okay. adulation again. Yes. And then, ooh. Now back up over there. Yeah. Push pull. It's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have girlfriends. I took hostages. <laughs> it was these poor ladies all deserve medals um, but back to the kid like I I when he showed up I can't even tell you that feeling like it's not the same as a bio kid I'm sure but, but it is I mean but when you love somebody when it he is came, I was like I'm gonna do whatever I can to fight for you like right. like I was really in it I was like Michael I know we don't know each other but is it okay if I hug you all right. Aww. Okay. I'm sure he got a lot out but of that, that too. Yeah. And the, even the fact that you're like, let me respect your boundaries as a, as a human being. I think a lot of times with kids or teenagers, mm. you're just like, oh, this is how it's going to be. Like you, right. like the right. fact that you came to him with that sense of like asking him oh, for yeah. permission yeah. and, and saying, hey, we're in this together. We're figuring this out together. Yeah. Like, even if you have these hard times, he's always going to have that level of love and respect for you because of that. And you two still communicate. We do, especially when he needs a ride. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just like a child. But it's right. Right. Just like a teenager, just like right? You. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mom, I need you to do this for me. Oh, okay. He's so fun. He's living with his girlfriend in her dad's house now in Kingston Springs, which is I'm not close to Donaldson. And uh, he will sometimes like text me like, Okay, I'm going to get a dentist appointment. How's November 20-something looking for you? I was like, really? What? We're setting appointments what? on my ability to... Okay. Right. Hey, man, if you need a ride once or twice yeah. a month, I'm there for you. Obviously, he depends on you for that. But it is it is interesting. He sort of he definitely has a driver's license. He sort of has a car. He sort of has insurance. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But... Because if you need some help, and I can give it. Now, again, the boundaries come in. Mm-hmm. If I'm working and I can't... I'm right. Sorry, yeah. Michael, I can't. But, but he likes the connection, obviously. I think so. And I and I do, too. Sure. I still love the boy and always will. Young man, I guess I should say now. He's almost, you know, he did. He turned 19. They're still boys. Yeah, they I'm are. Still, <laughs> I'm still a boy. You know, we all are. Right. There's an inner like, child in there. For exactly. We're all at the core of it, little kids. Okay, so that's how I came. That was a very long answer. But that's how I came to be, I think, but at least more, much more empathetic and open to um, hearing other folks and putting them sort of first, or at least at least on equal footing with me. Sure. How did you? How were? You, have you been that empathetic? I'm talking to Vicky, and I'm sure that the same is true for Tori. But how have you been this kind person your whole life? That's a good question. Um, you know what? I was. It started. How did you grow up? I grew up with a mom and dad who, and I've told Tori and my sons this, and I have an older sister. They were like a perfect yin and yang. My mother was very, um, I'm not going to say volatile, but she was very, um, <laughs> are you going to say she was volatile? Was like, no, I'm saying she's probably like a lot like me. Well, that's true. She's probably a lot like Tori, or Tori's a lot like her. Um, he was very easygoing, just kind of like when my mother would get upset and just kind of go off on a rant, he would say, Ozell, all right, that's enough. Mm. She would bring it down. Wow. Yeah. But he was very, he was kind of a soft-spoken guy. And I tended to relate to him because he was, he was the man in my life. And I always tell my daughters, and when my, I have a granddaughter about to be born, I told my son, I said, when you, when your daughter is born, you're going to be the first man she loves. Mm-hmm. I said, so you have to teach her how to be taught by, or how to be treated by other men because she's looking at you and so I think that's kind of my father was very um, easygoing and you know he was kind of like the peacemaker and I think that's kind of where I got it from you related to that yeah I did you were attracted to that that. yeah and my sister's well who wouldn't be right yeah my sister's much like my mother yeah she's a lot like like, interesting yeah the hot button how did you get along with your mom um really well um I know now that my sister was going through. No, now I feel like I'm in therapy. My, well, this is what this is. That's what. No. Well, that's so wild tonight. No. My sister was was kind of the rabble rouser. She got mm. married at 18. She did mm. everything that my parents didn't want her to do. Okay. She did, and I was the good girl. Mm. 
and I, there was pressure about being the good girl because I knew I couldn't do any of the fun stuff she yeah. got to do because, you know, my father was older. Mm-hmm. And so my mother would always say, it'll kill your father. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, yeah. She would always pull that one out. Was and she Jewish? <laughs> <laughs> no. I think she might have been. Might have been. <laughs> this will kill your father if you do this. Oh, this she was will, definitely oh my, oh, my God. Now I can just picture my dad killing oh over. Oh, my God. <laughs> How horrible. Did she tell you that it's a little girl? Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, so her, her dad was 54 was when she was born. He was when I was born. I can't believe she said so, that when oh, you yeah, were a little girl. Oh, yeah, she did. And Grandma was like, And my sister wow. and I, to this day, talk about how we used to have to take, feel like we had to take care of him. And, you know, we would always make sure he had everything he needed, and which was kind of a disservice to us because <sighs> we were like, we felt like caretakers. I remember being like six. I think I was six. And he had some kind of a, a, a seizure. Mm. I don't know what it what caused it, but I just remember sitting there, and I wasn't upset. I was just like, okay, what can I do to help him? And I'm six. You shouldn't have been in that <laughs> no. position. But your mom yeah. put you in that position. She did. Mm. She did. It's funny. I w- not funny. I went to a, I randomly went to a medium, um, and. Oh. Uh, like a psychic? Like a person who like, like speaks to spirits. Oh. And she said, there's a woman here, and she's like a, she's like a really like hot energy. And I was like, oh, that's my grandma. <laughs> and, and she said, she wants to tell your mom that she's sorry. Wow. Well, when she told me that, she said, mom. And I was like, she's like, yeah. I was like what does that mean? Because I didn't know the backstory. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, I know exactly what that backstory is. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like. When she told me that, I'm like, yeah, that, that was my mom. For right now, we're going to let the sentence go, I randomly went to a medium. Because <laughs> there's a whole freaking story behind. That could be a whole other chapter. Okay. That's, but yeah. okay, that's insane. <laughs> but how, how did you feel when Tori told you that? I, it was like, okay, that, that's, that, I, I, I immediately believed her. Because it made I perfect knew sense It made to perfect you. sense to me, yeah. Did your mother ever tell you that in, while she was alive? No, she didn't. I'm sorry. Oh, thank you. I got that blessing. You did. That was a blessing. And that was before I got into re- recovery. Wow. But I didn't drink that whole time that, my, that I was taking care Your of my mom. mom. Was Ill. Mm. Which is what? Ins- Had you been drinking up to that point? Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but that was meant to happen that way. Yeah, right. right. So that was definitely a higher power, too. But your mom didn't tell you that while she was alive. No. You never had any sort of. Wow. She never did. How is oh, I'm I'm going crazy. I'm let's going get in, deep. Let's get into it. We, I'm going that's what deep. we do here. Well, you told the most beautiful story about your dad for the Tennesseans Father Day um, edition. Oh yeah. Did you tell Tori that story? Mm-hmm. Did you yeah. see that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Will you just tell a real quick version of it? Sure. It's, I just um, so I can cry before I leave. When I was little, and I think I was like four, four or five, um, my dad and I had this thing that we would do together. He would he worked three jobs. And he would come mm. home in between jobs. He would come home, and so one job he'd come home around five thirty ish. And I always knew he was coming around the corner at a certain time. He was like clockwork, and I'd meet him at the corner, and I see his car come around, and I would just take off down the street <laughs> <That's> <laughs> as cute. fast as I could. I just remember running, just like I gotta get there, I gotta get there. Uh-huh. And I'd run to my house, and he would pull up, and I'd say, "Daddy, I beat you again." He's like, "Dear, you sure did. <laughs> you are just such a good runner." Oh, I love and I remember thinking, and it was seriously, it was That's years later when I thought, wait a minute, he didn't beat me. I didn't beat him. I didn't beat him. I didn't beat a car. But he made you feel like you did. But he did, and he made me just feel like, you know, I was this great runner, and I'm like, man, I'm a good runner. When your mom told me that story and I wrote it down, I read it 17 times in a row. <laughs> I know, I'm just, by the end of it, I'm just like tapping my eye. And that's the kind of dad that he was. Though. It's he was. beautiful. It was a true story. So, so okay. But so part of you felt like you needed to be a caretaker because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. you got some not great messages from your mom. But part of you wanted to emulate your dad, too. Part of, yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, to be kind to people. He was always, I never, ever saw my dad be mean to people. I mm-hmm. never did. I never saw him just go off on anybody, ever. And so that's kind of where I adopted that. I'm like, I've never seen it happen. Know, I just want to, I want to be kind. It, like, is it Ellen who says, be kind to ever, to others? Yeah. Because it just, it just makes more sense to me. I don't want to be the one who fights. I don't want to be mm. the one who raises hell. I don't want to do that. What's the point? Well, that is a beautiful light in you, for oh, real. thank yeah. you. Which I couldn't have said back in 1985, but I felt it. 
<laughs> I felt your kindness, but I couldn't have said, like, this is a beautiful, beautiful oh, spirit. thank you, Brad. And That's you have so been sweet. for years. Yeah, thank when you. I saw you were in Nashville, when I got here, I was scared to death. <laughs> Why? Because I went from, like, um, say, double-A ball to triple-A ball. Like, I, I went from a suburban paper to a city paper. And yeah, it wasn't a big yeah. city, but, but it, it was a city. And I was 25 yeah. and full of, you know... Ego and fear at the same time. Well, ego is fear. Yeah. And and there was your... I can't remember. I saw you soon after I got here. I remember reading something about like, you being in town. And I'm like, is this Brad Smith from Connecticut? <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking... Which, can you... Tori, your mother saw in five years... I'm going to do the math here. Seven billion interns. Because they had them for every semester <laughs> yep. and the summer. And there was 12 of us. Each go round. So 24, 36... A year, <laughs> over five years, and your mother knew Brad Schmidt. I knew Get out of here! I did, but Brad, I think she I did. Was shocked I by sure this. Did. You're talking about the light in her, the light in her. Like in, we say that in church, the light that's in me right. recognizes the light, the light in you. In like you. that's light recognizes light. That's true. That's it's true. just great. But I was never good with. Of course, I was drinking a lot more than your mom was. Or at least I think it was. I, mean, I don't want to get in your business. Yeah, I, don't, I can guarantee. I don't, I don't drink. So anything you were drinking was more than I'm drinking. Have you ever tried a little cocaine? Gives you a real pick me up. <laughs> you stopped doing the 10 o'clock news. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There was sometimes on when I was on Channel 2, like, you know, if we went to lunch. Oh. Is there a problem? A, there might. Really? Just, there was, it only happened like once or twice. But I remember I was with my buddies like on a Thursday at lunch at Sportsman's Grill, just pounding beers. And my my buddy pulls me aside and goes, hey, uh, quick question. Aren't you working right now? I was like, yeah, there's the camera guy right there. He's driving. He goes, yeah. Um, stop it immediately. Oh, really? You are on the clock, dude. You are ridiculous. So luckily that only happened to, I say one or two, maybe three or four, but in three years. But still. Was that a wake-up call for you, or did you just... No! I was like, what yeah. a drip. <laughs> what was the wake-up call for Party you? pooper. Well, getting yeah. the second arrest and fired. <laughs> was, yeah, literally. That's I don't know why I'm laughing, but, yeah. but honestly, like, that's the thing. It didn't... For me, I didn't get that wake-up mm-hmm. call until I smashed into a wall. Now, there are people with much different bottoms than I have. Yeah. Um, so thank God, literally, that I didn't... Wasn't homeless. Mm-hmm. Sure. I didn't lose my... I mean, you know... I was able to keep some things, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, and it was two DUIs. Thank God it wasn't anything worse. Yeah. But but honestly, that, even that didn't do it. It was when two, I was two weeks in rehab, and there was an uh, alumni who showed up with five years clean, and he looked, like, good. And when I, I don't mean physically necessarily, although he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> Shout out to Dan. Uh, <laughs> but he looked um, happy and at peace. Mm. Right. And he's talking, and I was like, oh, that's the guy I used to drink a case of beer and smoke like five joints with every wow. single night in East Nashville when I was police reporter for the Tennessean <laughs> in the early 90s. Not on the job, Tennessean. It was after work. And <laughs> this guy, I mean, we seriously like consumed that much wow. alcohol and marijuana almost every night, almost every week. Gee. And there is Dan looking like a million dollars. And I, and he was, you know, it was alumni and patients get together like once a week or so. Mm-hmm. And when he starts talking, I'm staring at him like, that looks like Dan. <laughs> it can't be Dan. I can't be and, and he looks right at me and goes, yeah, Brad, it's Dan. <laughs> he knew what you were thinking. Uh-huh. He called you out. Yeah, yeah, Brad, it's Dan. Uh, I'll get together with you after the meeting. In the meantime, uh, we've been saving you the seat. So glad you showed up. Wow. And they all start laughing. And I start sobbing, sobbing for two reasons. One was, oh, man, I am an addict Mm. because now there's no more. Like, I don't have an out anymore because that dude did exactly what I did. And he's saying, like, I am an addict. Yeah. Recovering addict. Right. But I'm an addict. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So that took all, because I thought it was different than all of y'all. When I got to Cumberland Heights, the treatment center, I seriously was looking around the first week or so going, what a wonderful place for these people. <laughs> not you. It, not even I'm thinking. Gonna, you know, when I get out of here, and if I ever get a job again, I'm going to donate money to this place. Because they do great work for these people. That <laughs> is serious. That was me. They wow, do great not work even for these people. Yeah. Until Dan showed up. And then I sobbed, sobbed, sobbed. And the other reason I got really emotional, 
was because, oh, crap, now I'm an addict. Like, I, I finally had to give it up. Yeah. I'm an addict. Uh, and all the shame that came with that. And I could hear my mom from the grave, like, Jewish people don't get arrested. <laughs> and, you know, just, we're too, we don't do that. Those are, that's other people do that. Uh, P.S. I had a cousin who did federal time. But anyway. <laughs> so. But we didn't talk about him. Um, the other reason I got emotional was, well, Dan looks great. Because I thought my life was over. Mm, but you saw I got publicly humiliated. Like yeah. I was the tennis. I was at Channel Two. They did a story. Channel Five did a I quick reader. I do. I remember it. Um, the Tennessean put it on page like three or four. You know, former Tennessean columnist Brad Schmidt gets arrested and fired. And uh, I thought my life was over. Meantime, there's people who've done like all these horrible felonies yeah. and sure. they're come out of jail and they're multimillionaires. Right. I didn't see any of that. Yeah. All I saw is that my life, I was an embarrassment to my family and to myself and that my life was over. But there is Dan. He has a job. He did lose his marriage, but he has a great relationship with his ex-wife and they're co-parenting like in a great, healthy way. Um, he is just, he's just comfortable with himself. Right. And I was like, so that's, I couldn't have said it then, but that's when I first felt hope mm, that I did have a great. future. Right. So the same time that I gave it up, is also the same time that I was like, maybe I can do something about this. Yeah. And the road's going to suck and it's going to be really long and painful and it's going to be a lot of work, but I'm going to do it because I feel like, yeah, I have something to give. And I sure don't want to feel like this anymore. Right. It's the biggest part. I want, I want a relief from the pain of feeling less than. So how hard is it to to continue to on your path? Is it is it like effortless now? To do <laughs> oh. Is your path effortless? Nobody's path. I exactly. Guess. No one's. How about you, Tori? None. No. <laughs> Negative. But you make it look good. Hey, that's all that. That's all that. Yeah. No, that's not true. That's what I used to think. Yeah, it's not true. No one's path. Um, well, that, I will say that the drugs and alcohol part, I will say, is is uh, I hate to use the word easy. But that's it is. It I don't is. think about it at all. Yeah, I really sure. never you think. You passed that point. I don't like a cold beer. Right. Or yeah. I sure do miss snorting right. <laughs> like yeah, cocaine in the middle of the bar because right. I feel like I'm, what is that guy, Tony Montana or something out of the <laughs> Al Pacino movie. Um, that part, God has taken away that desire for sure. Mm -hmm. Thank God. But man, the the dealing with the, the inner child part, sure. the uh, the childhood, the trauma and, you know, doing that work, that is rough. Do you ever talk to your inner child and... I mean, separate your separate. That's part of um, that's part of a lot of therapy stuff mm -hmm. and, and trauma camp. And um, I'm not gonna lie, that still feels a little weird to me. Except I mean, the process. It's, it's, yeah, I, I've, yeah. I've done inner child work. It is uncomfortable when you start. I don't know if you've done. Like, therapy hey, little yet. Brad. And you literally that. have to like picture yourself sitting next to like and, the, yourself. The, the that you, when you had that trauma, yeah. like talking to yourself. Did you ever um, get out a picture of yourself from when you were a kid to do that work? No, I didn't do a picture. No, I haven't done the picture yet. So we've done that too. I should have brought little Brad with me. <laughs> There's some cute little, I'll bet. cute little pictures. And it's funny because earlier in my life, I'd be like, "He's, I'm fatter than my siblings. I have buck teeth. And now when I look at it, I'm like, that's a cute he freaking a cute kid. Bride, yeah. Right. You look exactly. so much grace on yourself. Yeah. Look, like, you I love great. that kid. <laughs> my brothers are too skinny. Step your game up. Better eat something. Okay. So, uh, yeah. No, so, but the conversations with little me, still a little weird. Okay. And I like to make fun of it because I'm afraid of it. But there, it, it comes and goes. Mm -hmm. I mean, that whole thing, me and my mom are having conversations with my mom. Sure. I finally got comfortable with that. How about this? My dad was eight years old. Like, how about talking to cancer? Which is one of the exercises we did. What would you like to say to cancer? Oh my Ooh. gosh, that's a heavy. That was a hard day, but I'm glad I did it. Are you? Yeah, it's hard work, but man, I have a lot more peace about my. I used to be not be able to say that my dad died when I was a boy into my 40s, really, without choking up. And I still feel sad sure. that I lost my dad, but it doesn't like floor me or I'm able to say the sentence now without. Although I did a storytellers like you did for us, thank right. you, Vicky. Mm -hmm. Um, about addiction, and I started it with uh, my dad died when I was eight, and I yeah there was yeah. two hundred fifty people in the room, and I went mm -hmm. well, and that, I did 
That's online for everybody to see, by the way. So if you like to see me cry eight seconds into a speech. But that gives other people right. the space to That's know that right. it's a safe it's place okay. to do that. But exactly. now I definitely, like, that was, so my mom, so here's, here's some therapy work. I want to hear about your inner child work. We Boy, you're going to have to edit the bejeepers out of this freaking little podcast. <laughs> oh Hello, if you're actually hearing this, you're only hearing about 10% because we actually talked for <laughs> 17 hours, hours until sunrise. The sun's coming up, and we're all in therapy. The <laughs> This is what they did with my dad because my mom was like, do not cry outside this house. Mm. You can cry inside the house. Not a lot because I don't want to hear it. You know, I'll give you aspirin if you if you get a headache from crying, mm-hmm. which I did as a little boy. Was this after your father passed? Right after. Oh. She wanted us to suck it up and make sure that we present as a family that everything's fun. Yeah. Because appearances were everything. Nobody knew that my mom went crazy inside that house. Nobody knew she was hitting us. Nobody knew she was screaming at us. It was fine. You ever have that... People who are that front room that looks like a museum. Yeah. Right. You walk into their house. Literally, they look like it looks yeah. like a museum. And then in the back, it's like a freaking tornado right. hit it. That was like our lives. Mm. Like, let's make sure that when we're out in public. So um, so I had a lot of shame for because uh, I did cry outside the house a few times, more than a few times. I was we were really, eight. So we were doing this EMDR therapy. Are you familiar? Yeah. Were they, did you do that, Mom? Were they basically... Tell, tell them, tell them, Tori. EMDR is, I can't know, electric mag... Something. I, I don't know what it stands oh, for. I don't know what the words are, but... I don't know what the words are, but basically you hold these two things and it'll have like a like a vibration that goes in between the two of them and you're supposed to follow it with your eyes and it basically helps you... What's the word I'm looking for? Like It loosens it, your brain so they can your brain. reassign yeah. traumatic events so oh, you're not... So you can work through, okay. through these, this trauma while this is going on. And I also had headphones in, and it would beep in one ear and then beep in the mm-hmm. other, okay. and it would correspond to the buzzes in my hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. They do a lot of this with um, soldiers who come back from war. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't know that. So we were doing that with uh, around my dad, and she goes, I want you to see an eight-year-old boy who's living next to you right now. I was like, okay, I got it. His dad just died. What are you going to say to that little boy? I was like, oh, my God. I am so sorry. Sure. I am so, what can I do for you? You, Yeah, cry it out, man. I am so very sorry you lost your dad. That's horrible. And she goes, now tell that to you. And it totally changed. Mm-hmm. I came out of there like my shame about crying over my dad was gone. It was great. Yeah, that is. That's great. What did you do for inner child work, Victoria? Um, inner child work, I mean, uh, was, I think mine was around, like, in 12 and 13, and my dad, I love my dad so much. I don't know if he listens to the podcast, okay. but. He does. I, okay, you listen to it. He'll remember that. I'll, I'll no, I'm him. kidding. He, he probably really I don't. Does. I don't know if he does. Um, but my dad used to kind of, like, pick on me a lot, and so, I like, I had a really big stomach when I was a kid and I was kind of gangly looking. And so he'd be like, oh, Tori's going to come in and knock stuff off the table with her stomach. Mm. Or he would say things about the fact that I was darker than my brothers. And so I... Oh, yeah. That was the thing. <laughs> my mom, oh, yeah. <laughs> As my mom was the darkest. <laughs> I'm the darkest one in the family. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he'd probably... He laughed at it when I bring it up now, but... Um, so I just had but that a lot. was that was traumatizing. But it was traumatizing because especially because like my relation that was the first man that I mm-hmm. knew, and so the first man that I knew constantly told me that what I who I was was wrong, or that um, like my like my dad is the king of suck it up, like yeah, <laughs> the king really of suck is. it up, uh, where he would literally we would get hurt and his he still would do this. He would look at our thing and be like, oh, it didn't hurt me, and then walk away. And that would be that was how we would get over our, our like Yikes. things. Um, but like how so, he grew up. <laughs> but I, well, I, we know I know how he grew up. His dad was hard on him. His dad was hard. So there you go. There you go. That's the model um, he had. And so that was exactly. the model he had. So that but was still, my inner child. Doesn't make it right. No. And when you but realize, it's understandable yeah. at least. When you realize that's how you were raised, you should make an effort to not pass that along. Well, we were just talking about that this week. We were talking about like ancestral trauma like mm. trauma that comes right. through the line right and then you have to hit a point where you're like 
we're, this is done. We're not I'm doing stopping that this anymore. Call. Exactly. <laughs> like, but it takes time. Yeah, back to your work. But that was but a lot of that came from like twelve, like eleven, twelve year old like Tori who didn't understand that and who didn't understand that, and especially because like a lot of that stuff and a lot of feelings of not abandonment by my father, but have trickled into me as an adult woman dealing with men, mm-hmm. where I because I was and I was raised by such a strong mother um, uh, because my dad was around but he wasn't there consi- like he wasn't there like every day he would come down for like Christmas, Christmas. so your dad's your, the so, way your dad treated you trickled into your adult thoughts about men exactly and so a lot of that inner child work was a, like talking to young Tori being like hey you're fine you're, you're beautiful as a, your 12 13 year old gawky self and um, you know your dad still loves you, but that's the way he was taught to love you. It's true. Nice. And, it, and it's helpful now. And I'm still, I mean, like you said, that's something that I think is going to happen until the end of time. You're always going to be healing the traumas you had when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. That's not something that stops. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think you would want it to stop. You'd want it to constantly be working and growing. But um, that's what my inner child work was on. And I still do it sometimes where I'll be like, okay. Uh, what does twelve year old Tori need? Like if I'm if I'm feeling stressed out, I'll be like, okay, what would twelve year old Tori need right now? Nice. Um and it's helpful. Dude. Yeah. So that's hard work, isn't it? Go to therapy. But that's hard work, isn't it? It's super hard work. For real. And it's super yeah. And it's a lot of, you know, I used to be like oh, I used to be angry at my dad. I used sure. to be super angry at him. Sure. But then it was understanding how was he raised? What did he learn how to do? Like and now I understand my dad. That's so. beautiful. Yeah. Because the forgiveness is not just about for him. No. It's for me. Right, exactly. It's more it's, My for mom's you. been dead for almost 20 years. Yeah. But it's for me. Right. Yeah. Right. To move on and heal that generational drama, you know? And Don't like, pass it along. Well, like, even like you, with like grandma on you, like understanding, like, I know what she was going through. Right, right. Like, I know why she was focused on my sister. Yeah, she was focused on my sister. And not only that, my mother came from a, a background where her mother was physically abused. Mm-hmm. And she uh, she was in junior college, and she dropped out to get a job so she could pay enough money to buy her mom a house. Wow. To take her away from what her What a story. Yeah. So, you know, Holy crap, there's so much pain out there, there, isn't there? There really is. And we have to just stop passing it along to yeah. the next person because i do think the hope is there's more healing and awareness now than ever well i think so too i think and i think there's a there's more even just like us talking about it i think it will allow more people to be like oh it's okay for me to talk about my my trauma doesn't define me it is me but it's not why do people keep it quiet it's almost like like you said when you go out and people are oh you're doing great you must have a wonderful life and there's always something in somebody's mm-hmm. background that you're like, not everything is wonderful. Not everything's no. perfect. Nobody grew up perfect. Right. No. But and, but I like, too, like when you talked about when you had some uh, panic attacks, right. how you talked the next episode about how much support you got. Oh, I did. That was the greatest thing. People just would text yeah. me or not text me, but email me or message me and just say, I've had the same thing. I've been doing this for, you know, going through this for years. And it was almost like opening a door and breathing mm. and getting fresh air. Isn't that you nice? Know? Yeah, it really was. God, that's so wonderful. And you haven't had one. And I haven't had one since. I really haven't. Oh, are you, are you serious? I'm no, serious. she's dead serious. I haven't oh, had that's one amazing. Since. I guess just releasing it and, and admitting it was taking half the shame the away. Yeah, taking the shame away. Did you talk with your um, co-workers and or supervisors about that? Um, or was it just on I've the never, podcast? No, I just did it on the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I didn't talk. They knew. A couple of them knew because they were there when I would go through them. But How about Rory? He's shady of me. No, Rory. Rory, Rory no, J. Rory never saw me go through I don't know about that guy. <laughs> I love Rory. I'm kidding. First of all, he smells fantastic. I was at a fundraiser with him. He's so well put together. That guy. He loves to dress. He smells wonderful. He smells like expensive woods. Yes. I'm thinking sandalwood or leather. I'll have to tell him leather this week. Amazon river water. Whatever teak smells like. What Rory smells like money. Rory, yes. <laughs> but not the old cash, new bills. Ooh, Chris, dollar bill. money, baby. Hundred dollar bill. 
We're just gonna send this just this part of the podcast to Rory. You go, Rory. <laughs> you fine smelling man. <laughs> he will. You're like, I really do smell great. I do. Mm. What is that dude? Who does play this before like any situation? <laughs> Rory time. smells like the hundred hundred dollar bills and sandalwood <laughs> and an Amazon River. <laughs> Rory. <laughs> oh, that should be a fragrance. <laughs> fragrance commercial. Rory. Rory. Mm. Rory. My news channel five. My news channel five. Spray it on. Be a winner. <laughs> oh my oh god. Okay. Wear, that, wear that for sweeps. November. May. Mm. Rory. Rory. Oh my gosh. By WTVF. I have really enjoyed this. <laughs> really, Are you I'm sure it's glad. been long enough? Terry's <laughs> <laughs> time. Wait, even know. Know. We're almost at an hour. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Special Let's double shout. That's this right. Double shout, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, world. How far are we from an hour? Because we're going to fill it to an hour. Four minutes. <laughs> oh, All right. There, there we go. <laughs> I'm Dagnabbit. So what are you grateful for? I, I listen. I listen. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something. Can I, can I want I, to know what you're going to give a little for. feedback on this. Sure. Because I'm like, come on, you guys can dig deeper than you do. <laughs> on, on what we're grateful this is, for? Yes. This oh, is okay. When I'm, <laughs> so when I'm, as a listener, okay. I was like, come on, ladies. Okay. Get it together. You can dig deeper than that. <laughs> give me something. Good. I know you're happy about your petty manies, but come on, I know you're women of depth <laughs> and substance. Honestly, so hey. I'm going to tell you what I'm grateful for. What are you today. grateful I am for? I'm grateful for vulnerability and authenticity good. and a safe place to share That's good. and really good friends you guys you're right. I mean, you're family, you are much, family. I really you're do really feel that like way I do I cannot tell you how many people I have not invited to our home <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand <laughs> you don't understand that is my next top five list here are the top Literally. five people Vicky Yates has not invited to her There's house. There's maybe five people that she's ever invited Over, here. since I've been here 29 like, no years. No one comes to her home. I'm oh, that is so beautiful. You don't understand. Funny. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Mayor, former Mayor Bill Purcell, not invited. No, no. not invited. <laughs> not Sorry. Invited. Councilwoman Sharon Hurd, sorry. Uh-uh. <laughs> Never been out to the Hermitage Hotel, have you? No oh, one comes to my mom's house. But that's good to be, that's something to be grateful for. Yes, you guys are. I really do feel like family with you guys. Super safe. Well, we feel the same way, seriously. Nice. Yeah. So, but, what are you yeah. grateful for, Missy? Well, one, this conversation, because <laughs> I don't really get to talk about my inner child work. And I was really thankful that I got to talk about that today. Um, Brief. Uh, for taking the leap into vulnerability, for making that choice. Like, I, especially this year, this year has been kind of like, not a dark night of the soul, but kind of like a spiritual, um, like diving deep for me. And a lot of that comes from the fear of taking the leap into vulnerability and the fear of taking, uh, of giving up control. So I'm really grateful that I'm getting more comfortable giving up control. That's really good. Oh, that's good. That's That's what I'm grateful for. Dude, that's good. Let's just do this every week. (laughs) Come on, next week. You're on our third host. (laughs) Welcome to the podcast. Wild Wizard Women and Brad. And Brad. Hilarious. How about you, Miss Vicky? I'm grateful for finally acknowledging and accepting that I want to be in love. Romantic love. I love my children. I love my family. I love my friends. But I want to be in romantic love. And I believe that there is someone out there for me. And... Dagnabbit, I'm going to find him. Nice. He's out there. He's out there. He's got to run the gauntlet of talking to me, but he's out there. <laughs> I'm glad you put that out there because this podcast is going to get a lot more interesting in the next few weeks. I <laughs> It'll just be like, what date did you go on? <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of vulnerability did you talk about? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want your guy to smell like? <laughs> Amazon Rivers and Teakwood. <laughs> Rory. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's like, like, <laughs> fresh $100 bills. Chris $100 bills. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that? It's the sound <laughs> of Rory. <laughs> Tell Rory to sponsor the podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> 
needs to. We just did a whole commercial for you. We did. <laughs> you better buy us lunch. Yeah, Rory, at least buy us, us lunch. Come on. I mean, he's got some money. He's got no, some cash. Do it. <laughs> you smell it crisp when you smell Because they're all over his butt. <laughs> you just sleep in a bed of them every night. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> well. <laughs> well. <laughs> we want to thank Brad Schmidt for being here and making us talk or allowing us to talk and say things that we never have They never before. have. Brad, Brad, thank you. How can people follow you and keep in touch yes. with you? Uh, Brad Schmidt, S-C-H-M-I-T-T. I've got a Facebook page, Instagram, and by the way, Brad at Tennessean.com if you have a story idea. Hey. Let's say that there's somebody with a tremendous backstory, a really powerful hero, or somebody who's been through something on the other side. I want to hear about it. Or what are your favorite burger places, your favorite pizza oh, places? Oh, that's a good your idea. Favorite hot yeah. dog places, your favorite restaurants. I'm working on the top 25 restaurants in Nashville. Ooh. Really? And so after this little session, Vicki and I are going to have a chat because she's been to every single one three <laughs> times. So you'll get that list soon. Let's get, get the list going. Well, thank you, Brad, for being here. Thank this you, Brad. We best. love you. We love you. I love you guys. It was such a fun night. This is the best Friday night I've had ever. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Friday night, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>